as promised. Now I'm fired up for this. We are joined right now by a legendary professional gambler. His autobiography is tremendous. Gambler. Secrets from a Life of Risk. It is unbelievable as a read. It is available right now. My guest, once described by ESPN as, quote, the greatest and most controversial sports gambler ever. I'm going to say they got that half right. Also, he claims an unmatched betting winning streak of 36 consecutive years. I also believe that. We are joined right now by Billy Walters. Billy, it's great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm fine, Jim. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And first things first, happy holidays. Happy holidays, Billy. It's great to hear your voice, and it's great to have you on the show. And listen, I knew that when you crushed it on my podcast, I had to get you on the Daily Show as well. I want to talk to you about your book and a number of things, but just one topical thing. Billy, you understand trends as well as anybody. Can you explain to me, and I understand it's matchups, I understand it's defenses, but can you explain how a team can score no points four days earlier and then come out in an NFL game and drop 42 on the opposition in the first half less than a week later? in the same stadium? Well, Jim, this is a situation you can't go to a slide rule for this. You know, the team they scored the 42 on had completely given up. Uh, and, you know, team morale, uh, that's one of the things that you're not going to be able to find in any kind of algorithm or slide rule. When, you know, when a team gives up, uh, it, uh, all, all that stuff goes out the window. So... That would be my only explanation. The team had completely given up. I think, I think Dean Spanos finally saw what everybody else had seen for a period of time and realized that. And today, you know, he finally cleaned house. But the team had completely given up. I mean, that that that's exactly what had happened. Nothing more, nothing less. Billy Walters joining us. There is no algorithm for a team that gives up. Listen, as I mentioned, I thought you did so well on the podcast when we talked about your book, which dropped, and I wanted to bring you back on. In fact, Billy, about the book. Everybody I know that likes this space, that has read the book, loved the book, myself included, what kind of feedback have you received for your book? It's been extremely positive, Jim. And, uh, the you know, everyone kind of expected it was going to be a story about, you know, gambling and sports betting and, you know, how I did what I, what I did and what I do. And, and that is a large part of it. But well, we've got a response back from, you know, another audience outside of gambling you know, the human interest side of it, uh, and especially, you know, uh, uh, a lot of women have really enjoyed the book also. So it's had a, you know, a broad appeal, uh, Canada, uh, England, uh, Ireland, uh, not not only in the U.S., it's, it's been well-received, and I'm, uh, I'm very thankful and very proud of that. We're talking to Billy Walters. Billy, I'm going to ask you about the gambling aspect in a minute, but let me follow up on what you just said. The female reaction. What has the female reaction been like? What have you heard from female readers? Well, what I've heard from Simon Schuster, our publisher, is uh, the, the, the female readers have really gravitated to it because of the human interest side of the book. I've been married for 47 years to just an incredible uh, wife, uh, life partner, you know, I went to federal prison, uh, you know, the struggles we, you know, that we both went through with, with that. And and then, of course, uh, I, you know, my early childhood and early adulthood, there were a lot of things there. Uh, as you know, Jim, you read the book. It's not a vanity book. I, I wrote the book for a number of reasons. I wrote the book to to help people uh, because as a, as a young person, I went through a lot of difficulties in life myself with addiction, with 
you know, I had issues with alcohol, with gambling. I, I was addicted to, to gambling at one time. And uh, the uh, so I went through a lot of things, you know, uh, and I shared every one of those things in the book for that reason. And then, and then I decided to put everything that I knew in the book about sports betting. And the things that I put in the book about sports betting, believe it or not, it also appealed to a lot of females because you got a lot of you got a women a lot of females out there who bet on sports. And but 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 you have a lot of, a lot a lot of them out there that primarily are watching sporting events with their husbands. And it gives them, it has given them a lot more of an insight about some of the things that go into the outcome of sporting events, uh, weather, travel, a lot of things that, you know, that they hadn't previously considered. So now, you know, they've read this, they, they have this information, they feel like they understand the game a lot better, and, and it gives them some insight as to, you know, what, why these games, why there are certain outcomes to certain games. So... That's generally what the publishers have came back with. That it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been appealing, more more so appealing to, we'll say to to females than than what they'd originally thought when we published the book. I like it. We're talking to Billy Walters. So Billy, with the proliferation of gambling and legalization, you've got a lot more people doing it now than maybe did not do it before. In the book, you offer what you describe as a master's class and an advanced master's class in sports betting. Why don't we just take a moment or two and talk about some of the fundamentals. What are common mistakes that bettors make in the areas of, say, money management and discipline? Well, as I wrote in the book, Jim, you know, those are all things that I failed at myself as a young sports better. And when I saw the majority of the states uh, now have legalized gambling, and I, I saw all of these millions of new sports betters that were getting involved, I thought to myself, well, you know, they're going to be susceptible to the same things that I experienced. And <clears throat> bottom line is, you know, you, you have to have a money management system, and, 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 and in order to have any kind of chance of winning betting sports, the reason I put the basic strategy in there is you have, multi, you, you, you have to have multiple places to be able to, to, to bet because in order to, to bet and have any kind of chance, you, you have to get the best prices. And then you have to have a strategy about when to bet. Okay, if you've got a certain team you're going to bet on, you know, why should I bet on this game, on this team earlier? Why should I wait to bet on them late? Well, I put all of that information in there, too. It's, it's sort of the basic strategy. And once you read that, anyone can follow that and understand it, and it'll give you a really good insight into, into when to make your bets. And then the other thing that I put in there is, okay, the, the fair price is if you're going to buy half a point, this is what you can pay. If it's more than that, don't buy it. Keep the point you have. I've also put in there, you know, money line comparisons to point spreads. Sometimes you're better off playing a money line than you are a point spread. But, you know, up until we wrote the book and until, you know, I put that, you know, people really didn't have an idea how, how to compare those things. So there's basic tools in there now for you to be able to look at and decide, okay, maybe well, this game here I want to bet on it early. and then, and, But more importantly, this is why you want to bet on it early, or this is why you want to wait and bet on a game late. And and then you need multiple places because, you know, there, there's a there's a company called Spank Odds, and, and they have real-time line information from basically every sports book in the United States and around the world. And what, you, what you'll see at any given time, Jim, on any game, you're going to see probably five different lines uh, at least five different lines on any game. I mean, and it, and throughout any kind of period of 
time, it makes an enormous difference in regards to whether you win or lose. As far as a betting strategy is concerned, you know, you've got it's it's like any kind of a business plan or game plan, so to speak, Jim. You know, on Sunday when you get around, if you decide there's three games that you like and you're going to bet on, don't bet on any more than those three. And, and you, you're going to have bad Sundays. Maybe you lose all three of them. But whatever you do, don't double down on Sunday night and say I'm going to bet on this game and I'm going to get even. And you you really got no no opinion about the game or a Monday night game. So, and the other thing, and the most important thing, that, and the thing that concerns me the most about the new betters, <clears throat> people get involved in, in, in betting sports. It's like, it's like a lot of things, and, and we all, you know, some people have addictive personalities more so than others, and, and uh, but betting sports can become highly addictive. And uh, <clears throat> the if you set aside... X number of dollars, and you say, look, I'm going to bet on sports. This is a recreation to me. It's a lot of fun. I'm probably going to lose my money, but I can afford to lose this. It's great, man. There's nothing better than betting on sports. But if you get involved and you think, well, I'm going to get rich quick here with this, and next thing you know, you've lost money that you couldn't really afford to lose, and, and then you double up, you're going to catch up. And, you know, and I know how the story goes because I went through it. And you tell yourself, well, as soon as I get even, I'm going to quit. Well, bottom line is you never get even. Or if you do get even, now you're extremely confident that you're going to win, and you get yourself even in more trouble. Avoid that. Whatever you do, avoid that at all costs. And bet on sports. Set aside whatever you can afford to, to lose and, and go for it and have some fun. But also give yourself a, a fighting chance to win. If you've got one sports book and you're only taking – that as as your one source to, to make your bets and you're getting one price, or if you're betting teasers and parlays at today's prices, you have no chance of winning. So as long as you understand that, then that's fine. But if you want to give yourself any chance of all of winning, you need multiple sports books. You need a service like a Spank Odds that you can go up and see what the what the prices are so you can compare them, get the best prices, and then and then. You know, have a money money a money management strategy. Set aside whatever that amount of money is that you're going to use for sports betting, and never risk any more than three percent of it on any one bet. Like I said, an absolute masterclass. That that right there was a primer for anybody getting started. Billy Walters just covered about ten things with that answer right there. Billy, one thing quickly, you mentioned parlays. I'm curious, where do you come out on the risk versus the reward of getting down on a parlay? Well, Jim, <clears throat> years ago, what had happened, the, the odds on parlays were a lot better and the odds on teasers were a lot better because there was a lot more competition uh, for your business. Today, essentially, what's happened is we've almost created a monopoly. You've got about four, five, six companies that control all the sports betting. You've got all these new sports bettors who really don't know what the fair odds are. So these companies, what they've done, they've really increased the, <clears throat> the prices on parlays and teasers. People, as a rule, are under the impression that all your sports bets you land eleven to win ten, a dollar ten to win a dollar. Well, what they don't realize is with parlays and teasers the way they are today, and the prices that the these sports books are charging, and in many and most cases, on two team parlays you're laying a dollar thirty to a dollar. You're not laying a dollar ten to a dollar. You're laying a dollar thirty. Some cases as much as a dollar thirty five. You have no chance to win. 
I mean, at 11 to 10, you've got to win 52.38% of your bets to break even. At a dollar 30, you, I mean, like I say, you got no chance to win. I mean, it's, I understand people who bet parlays and teasers. I mean, especially parlays. I mean, if you bet a small amount of money and you get a larger return, that's fun for anyone. But at the end of the day, if you don't understand what the fair prices are and you don't shop around and get the fair prices, uh, you know, betting parlays and teasers, you literally have no chance. So, Billy, very clearly, I mean, it, it may be fun. You may enjoy it, but you have always treated this as a business, the business that it is. For those who don't know, back in the day, you were credited with revolutionizing sports betting strategy by embracing algorithms. We talked about that. Data analysis as well. That became all part of known or part of something known as the computer group. I'm not sure you'll tell me everything about this, but I'm curious, how big was that operation? And what were the various roles that people had within the operation? Well, actually, the brainchild of the computer group was a guy named Michael Kent. And uh, Mike was from Pittsburgh. He worked for Westinghouse. Uh, he was actually <clears throat> doing some work with them in the, in the development of a nuclear submarine. So that gives you an idea of how smart, how bright he really was. Mike, Mike wrote the first computer software program to handicap sports with. Uh, I was handicapping sports at the time, but like everybody else, I had a pencil and piece of paper. But uh, <clears throat> I knew a lot about Sports betting, uh, betting strategy, the things that you and I have just gone over, you know, that's something that I'm really, really good at. And so I got involved with him and a, and a group of people in the late 70s. By the mid-80s, everyone, everyone in the group was gone except he and I, and we continued, to have our, we continued our partnership until the early 2000s. During that period of time, I hired another six Michael Kent, so to speak, of you know, like backgrounds. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I got seven different pieces of independent information and compared those things together, and that's kind of how I did what I did. But the computer group was the first of its kind. Michael Kent was a brainchild. Everyone else was there basically just to support him. You know, they did, uh, you know, they did the betting. They, they moved the money. Uh, but Michael was the, he was a sole handicapper, uh, he was the guy that put the entire software program together, and uh, everyone else was kind of there in a support role. I basically, you know, did. Initially, I was assisting some guys in New York, but shortly thereafter, uh, I ended up basically making all the bets, decided when to make the bets, how much to bet, where to make the bets. Uh, I, I ran that entire side of it, and then over the period of years, uh, Mike become one of my best friends, and as I said, I realized in the mid-'80s, Jim, that even though he had a significant advantage, uh, it was eroding daily, and eventually it was going to go away. So that's when I started hiring other Mike Kent types, and none, none of those guys knew each other. The only person they knew was me, and, and the only person they communicated with was me, so all the information I got was independent information, but I had seven different pieces of independent information from some extremely smart people. And uh, so I took, I took a consensus of that, and then I decided what I was going to do based upon that. And that's, that's what I continue to do today. Okay, I was going to say, Billy, before you go, I was going to say, are you still running something like that today? Mm-hmm. You know, today's iteration thereof, do you still have an operation? Are you still running something similar to that? 
I am, Jim. When I got out of prison in 2020, it took me a year. I had to go back and get everything updated. But uh, uh, I still do college football. I do pro football. And uh, but, but, Jim, I spend, you know, now I'm spending probably a million, million and a half dollars a year in R&D. But I still have a couple of guys that, uh, that I've had. One guy graduated number one in his class at Caltech. He's been with me for 30 years. Another guy was a... Uh, was a chair of a economics department in a major university. He's been with me for 30 years, so our, you know my team is basically intact. Uh, and but but again, all I'm doing is college football and pro football, and I'm primarily doing it because look, I love sports. Uh, I, I, you know, I still beat it. If I didn't beat it, I would quit. Uh, but I don't do it to earn a earn a living anymore. Although I do fine with it. Don't misunderstand me. But, uh, but yeah, and I'll do sports, Jim, as long as I'm alive. I love sports. I, I, I mean, I have as much passion for, for, for sports and sports betting as I did when I began. Yeah, Bill, leave me with this thought. You did not have to write that book, and a number of years back, you certainly would not have written that book, and the book did sensationally well. But as you point out, it's not just the gambling aspect or the betting aspect, but it's the story. It's the story of your life. I don't think you could get your entire life into a single volume. Have you started to write the sequel yet? <laughs> no, actually, I haven't, Jim. I worked three years on writing that book, and i, and I got to tell you, it was uh, it was. Very fulfilling, but I tell you, a lot, a lot of work. And uh, there are some others that are working on, you know, talking about other aspects of my life and, and maybe expanding the book a little bit, a little bit outside of the book. But I haven't thought about writing a sequel. But uh, but anyway, the. Uh, Maybe that's something I should think about. I got you. Think about that or the subsequent documentary or movie or show or anything else that may already be in the works. The book, if you have not read the book, it is a great, great read. A lot more where that came from. Gambler, Secrets from a Life of Risk. It is an incredible read. It's available right now. Billy, I knew we had to come together again. Great to have you on the show. Appreciate you and the insight. And always good to talk to you, Billy. Thanks so much. Jim, thanks for having me. And again, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays, Billy. Great talking to you. Merry Christmas, Billy Walters. I think you need to understand <laughs> who that is. That is the greatest gambler ever, a legendary gambler and fascinating. You know, if you're about that life, everybody I know that likes that space, that's interested in that space, thinks that that book is like the greatest book. And when you listen to him, you understand why that's fascinating. Now, if you don't like gambling or betting, you might be less interested. But to his point, his life is fascinating. It's not just about the gambling. It's not just about the algorithms. His life. You know, he grew up. We didn't get into this. I spent a lot more time on this when I had more runway on the podcast. But he grew up in rural Kentucky. And he talks about how he got into gambling. He talks about his first bet. He talks about how he used to hustle at pool halls back in the day. And how he got into this life. He just said this, though, on this show. You know, he spent time in federal prison. He dealt with addiction, a gambling addiction, but I thought it was absolutely fascinating the way he laid out how he built that operation, who was a part of the operation, and the fact that he's still running an operation. All right, your reaction to that? Billy Walter is joining us on the program. I know the head will have a reaction to that. He loves him. Porter Mosier is going to join me at 1120, and the big head at 11 o'clock straight up. Again, the big story. And how about Billy? Billy... I knew going in, Billy was not going to come on the show to, quote, pick games. He's not doing that for us. But I knew that he could speak to trends. 
And when I said, how do you explain what happened last night? How do you explain a team that scored zero points in one of the worst games ever coming out and scoring 42 in the first half four days later? He said, I can explain that. (laughs) The other team gave up. And he said the Spanos family, or Dean Spanos, finally came around to seeing what we've all been watching. 